Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for March 13th, 2023. I'm teaching a series on the miracles of Jesus. I've been teaching this all year, and we are now in part 43 of the miracles. Today, we're going to deal with a blind man that was blind from birth. And uh, so the title of today's message is, Tell Your Story and Don't Stop Because of Opposition. I want you to tell your story, and I want you to tell it everywhere you go. Put in the chat, say, I have a story to tell, and I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to tell my story, and I'm going to tell it everywhere I go. I want you to tell your story, and do not stop because of opposition. Don't let anyone stop you. Don't let anyone derail you. You you should be so determined to be you, because you are the best you that you can be, and nobody else on this planet can be you. So get ready. Say it out loud. I tell my story, and I'm going to tell it everywhere I go. Get ready to receive the word. All right, before we get into the miracle, uh, we've been looking at Psalms 126 and verse 4, and uh, I want to take a look at that again uh, today. The Bible says, now, Lord, do it again. Say, do it again. Now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to the former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. I want every dry area in your life. Matter of fact, say it out loud. Put it in the chat. No dry areas for me. Whatever area has gone dry in my life, if I have any area of my prayer life or in my heart or anything, my relationship with my children, my relationship with my spouse, my whatever, if there's any area, my relationship with God, my prayer life, if there's any area of my life, my worship, if there's any area of my life that has gone dry in this season, this is a season for the Lord to do it again. Restore us to the former glory. Streams of refreshing. This is a season of refreshing. This is a season of restoring for us. Every dry area in your life will be drenched, not just wet. I mean, the Bible says shall be drenched again. Say amen to that. All right. So the miracle for today is in John chapter nine, verses one through 34, John chapter nine, verses one through 34. So I'm not going to read 34 verses for you this morning, but I'm going to attempt to summarize all of that and then give you three points. So let me set the stage. You ready? Let me get through this. Let me tell this story in John chapter nine. Jesus saw a blind man. This man was blind from birth. His disciples wondered if his condition resulted from sin on the part of either the blind man or his parents. Jesus explained neither. And I didn't, I wasn't led to really deal with that. But anyway, it's interesting that the disciples thought, let me just say this about that real quick. It's interesting that the disciples thought that sin was a result, I mean, that that the sickness or the infirmity was a result of sin. So that's that's interesting. And so they were making the connection like, well, if he's blind, he must have done something wrong. And that's how like Job's friends were like, well, hey, with all, everything happening to you, you must have done something wrong. Job's like, I didn't do anything wrong. Okay, let me keep going. Jesus then, using another unusual method, and, and I'm not, I didn't really get into this today. So I'll pray on, there's a lot in this thing that I'm not going to be able to cover today. So I'll pray about whether or not I should come back to this tomorrow. But once again, this is a blind man, unusual method. Jesus spits on the ground. <laughs> I don't know what it is with spit, but I mean, there's a lot, there's spit in a lot of miracles, but Jesus spits on the ground, 
take some of the dirt, spits on it, make some mud out of the spit and dirt mixture, puts the mud on the man's eyes. Hey, come here. Mm. So not only did he put spit on his eyes, now he put dirt on his eyes, mud on his eyes. Man, that's nasty. But anyway, he did it, put it on his eyes, and then he told them to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Obviously, the man couldn't see, but he could hear. He could also feel. He knew that there was something on his eyes, and I'm sure that he had built up his faith because there was this miracle worker named Jesus who just did something, put something on his eyes, and told them to go wash. And so he went. He, he stirred up his faith to believe God for the supernatural, and he went over, and he washed his face, and as he did, boom, he was able to see. Now, his neighbors and other people who had been there, they were amazed because they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the same. This is the beggar, dude. Like, this is the blind beggar who is always, I mean, we see him every day. He's begging for money because he's blind. And now he can see. Is this the same man? Now, other people are like, no, nah, it can't be the same man. Now, it looks like him, but it can't be the same man because now he can see. And then the man said, wait a minute, y'all talk about me. Let me tell you, I am the same man. I used to be blind, but now I see. I was a beggar, but now obviously I don't have to beg anymore. He says, I am that man. You're debating because people's like, there's no way. There's no way that that could be the man. So obviously it wouldn't make, now nah, maybe he just looks like him. It's like, no, I am that man. The man told the account as he knew it. This is what he said. He said, the man that they call Jesus, the man who was formerly blind, he said, listen, all I know is this, the man that was, that they call Jesus, he made some mud, put it on my eyes, and then told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash it off. I went, I washed it off, and now I could see. So the miracle then caused a great stir in the town. And as you would know it, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it caused like a follow-on investigation by the people that were focused on rules, right? The Jewish religious leadership. So the people of the town brought in the Pharisees, and the Pharisees saw the man. They was like, oh, we know who he is. That's the beggar man, but now he could see. The problem was, here we go again. It was Saturday. So, it, so the problem was, it was Saturday. So now they're questioning the man and they wanted to know what happened. Because why, why, first of all, who healed you? Second of all, why would he heal you on the Sabbath? That he's not supposed to be doing this thing on the Saturday. And, and, and the man said, listen, the man put blood on uh, mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. And the Pharisees, they were determined. that the, the Bible says that they were determined amongst themselves in this point that Jesus could not be from God. Now, they started debating, though, because some were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. The, some of the Pharisees were like, okay, wait a minute. This man keeps doing stuff on Saturday. <laughs> I know this sounds ridiculous to some of us, right? I mean, like, you should be happy that the guy can see. But the religious people were like, wait a minute. This man can't be from God. He keeps doing stuff on Saturday. He, this man can't be from God. He keeps breaking the rules. They were not happy with Jesus's methods. They, they, were, they were upset with Jesus' seeming disregard for their rules. Some of them, though, the Bible says, here's some credit. Some of them wondered whether or not Jesus could be from God because of all the miracles. Now, they were divided. So they turned to the formerly blind man. I love this part. So they're divided. They're having a debate. And they turned to the formerly blind man. And they was like, well, what do you think? He was like, well, I know that he has to be a prophet. I mean, this Jesus dude has to be a prophet. But still, they couldn't believe. So now, watch this. They ramp up their investigation to another level. Think about this. Instead of the pastors being happy, the religious leadership, the pastors or the priests, instead of them being happy, this is what they do. Man, we don't believe you. Let's go get your parents. 
They started an investigation. So they take the man to his parents and then they question the parents. And it was like, was he born blind for real, for real? And, and the parents were like, listen, all I can tell you is that our son was born blind and now he could see. Now, I don't know how, I wasn't there. He's a grown man, ask him. So they turn back to the man again. And then the man says, listen, listen. They said, they go back to the man and say, is Jesus a sinner? Because he did this on a Saturday? The man said, I love this line. You ready? He said one of the best lines in the Bible. He says, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is I once was blind and now I see. Y'all need to stop asking me all these questions. You done brought in my parents instead of being happy for me. You over here, you're focused on the wrong thing, dude. I was born blind. Now I can see. All I know is I once was blind and now I see. You got to tell your story and tell it everywhere you go. Then the man went on to say something strange. Something interesting. This man basically rebuked the, the religious leadership. He said, now, hey, guys, I don't understand this. You don't know where he comes from, but he healed my eyes. We all know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he will listen when anyone who worships him obeys him. This is the first time we have heard of anyone who was born blind and now he could see. So this man, Jesus, he must be from God. If he were not from God, he could not do anything like this. The Jewish leader said, hey, you were born in sin. Who are you to teach us? And then they kicked the man out of the synagogue and they told him to stay out. This is ridiculous, dude. I mean, like they say, instead of being happy, the Jewish religious leadership say, listen, who are you to tell us what to do? Get out of here and stay out. So what does this mean for you today? And all of these miracles, you're seeing this pattern of people that believe and then the religious people who rejected Jesus. So I have three things to share with you on this morning. I want you to open up your heart to receive three things now. Now I can get into the teaching. You ready? Three things. Number one, here we go. You have a story to tell. Put in the chat, I have a story to tell. That's it. I have a story. Listen, I, I, I have a story to tell. When I first got born again, at August 27, 1995, I was in Kuwait. I was a staff sergeant in the United States Army. Uh, once I got born again, man, I, that's it. I was like, man, I'm born again. I, I was telling everybody I was born again. I mean, like I, I was telling everybody about Jesus. I was like, man, I was raised in church all my life. But man, the other night I gave my life to Jesus. I am born again. I, you have a story to tell. I didn't know any scripture. I didn't know John 3, 16. All I knew is I was, I once was blind. Now I see I'm born again. I, let me just tell you this. This is not part of today's word, like the written part, but let me slide this in for free. Matter of fact, Clarice Burnett, Clarice Burnett, I just saw you, you pop up there, right? So Clarice Burnett, her and her husband were the pastors of, of the church there. And uh, Clarice, I don't know if you remember this guy, um, uh, Jacobs. Uh, no, no, no. What's his name? Not Leo Jacobs. There was another guy, Lucas. So there was this guy, uh, Elder Lucas. Uh, Clarice, I'm sure that you remember him. And so I remember I got born again August 27, 1995. I got baptized on October 2nd, 1995. So there was a little bit over a month between the day I got born again and the day I got baptized. And I remember this guy, Lucas, says to me that I'm not saved until I get baptized. <laughs> and I was like, look, I don't know scripture. I don't know. Like, look, I'm sure you know more about the Bible than I do. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to debate with you, sir. But one thing I can tell you is that I'm born again. I, look, I, if I were to die right now, I know I'm getting baptized on October 2nd. But if I die before October 2nd, 
I'm just letting you know I'm going to heaven. Like, I, I don't know about you. I'm like, I don't know scripture. I can't, like, break it down. I can't tell you why. But I know in my heart, doggone it, I'm born again. Like, you have a story, and you have a story to tell. Like, you got to be bold with this thing. The man had a story, and that's it. He had a story to tell, and he didn't let nobody hold this story back. The man was born blind, and he didn't know much. He didn't know scripture. He didn't have to. But what he did know was, I once was blind. And now I see. And so you cannot be ashamed of your story. You cannot let anybody put a dim or a damper your story at all. Don't cause nobody to dim your light. You have a story to tell. And it's your story. And, and you could tell it everywhere you go. This is your, put in the chat, I have a testimony. You have a testimony. And once you tell your story, people can't tell you how to tell your story. It's your story. Like, like people, people don't like, like I remember uh, uh, like, uh, uh, I got people in my family that don't like when I point out that I was born and raised in East New York, Brooklyn, and East New York was the murder capital of the murder capital of the United States at the time. Or people in Isabella's family don't like when, when we point out that she was raised with no running water and no electricity. Duh. I mean, so, so, so what? Like, I mean, it's tr we're not lying. I mean, that's her story. And she has a story to tell. Like, listen, it's your story. Tell your story and tell it. Any, anywhere and everywhere you go. Now, some people might doubt your story like they doubted the man. They was like, man, that's not him. That can't be him. Matter of fact, they didn't, they, they didn't believe him. They made him go get his parents. That's how crazy it was. So some may doubt your story. Some may, may criticize your story. But at the end of the day, you just tell your story. If people reject the God in your story, remember, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. So don't get offended. Just, just know that God is going to reveal whatever he needs to reveal to them. You just tell your story and you just keep stepping. If they don't receive you, shake off the dust from your sandals, the Bible says, and keep going. Even if one person comes to know you, comes to, to know God because of your story, then it was worth it. You got to tell your story and tell it everywhere you go. God has been, put this in the chat. God has been too good for me to keep it to myself. Listen, I don't understand how it seems like everybody wants to tell other stuff. Like if there's a sale in the mall, people will get on the phone, girl, oh my God, did you know? Like this store got 70% off. You better go get some of that. Like if it's good, like if anything they see is good, they want to tell somebody about it. Or they, oh man, my team just, there was a trade that just went down. Free agency. Oh man, we just picked up this quarterback. They think it's good. They're going to get on the phone and tell it but they won't tell their story about God. Listen, you got to tell your story. You have a testimony. You should, you should tell people, you don't have to know scripture. You don't have to wear a clergy collar. You don't have to break, you don't have to memorize scripture from Genesis to Revelation. All you got to do is just tell your story. Tell your story about how you came to God. Tell your story about what God is doing in your life. It's your story. And let me just say this about that. If you don't tell your story, it may never be told because it's your story. So you need to tell your story and tell it everywhere you go. Say amen to that. You got it? All right. Number two, the greater the assignment, the greater the attack. I've made this point many times, but I wanted to make it again this morning. The greater the assignment, the greater the attack. Because Jesus had a great assignment, there was also a great attack against his life. And the attack is against the assignment. Say that. Put that in the chat. The attack is against the assignment. Because I'm called to do something, whatever I'm called to do, the enemy will attack the assignment. The enemy doesn't really care about me. He just doesn't want me to be the man that God called me to be. The attack is against the assignment. So the Pharisees went to great lengths to discredit Jesus. They did everything that they could 
to disrupt Jesus's ministry. Why? Because they were being manipulated by the enemy. They were successful in the end in orchestrating Jesus's execution. So in the end, you know the story. I don't have to, what Easter Sunday is coming up. So you know the story. They took them, I may teach on that, but they took them from mock trial to mock trial in the middle of the night. And without any eyewitnesses, without any true charges with on trumped up charges, they they convicted the only innocent man to ever live. His name was Jesus. And they sent him to the cross to be executed. So they did that. They were successful in orchestrating Jesus's execution in the end, and they had him killed. But what they didn't know was their execution was actually propelling Jesus into his destiny. And so they they could not, that would not have happened if it were not part of Jesus's assignment. You have a great assignment from God. So let me just tell you this. If you have a great assignment from God, there will be great opposition because the, the attack is against the assignment. So I'm not telling you to look for opposition, but I'm telling you that you should not be su- surprised when it comes. You should expect that if God is going to call you to do something mighty, then, then there's going to be opposition against it. People are going to have your name in their mouth. You will be criticized because people criticize what they do not understand. The devil is not just going to sit back and watch as you become the man or the woman that God has called you to be. But here's the good news. The good news is that the enemy cannot stop you. You, you, the only person who can stop you is you. The only person, th- put this in the chat, say the only way I can lose is if I quit. The only way I can lose is if I quit. Now, the devil wants to get me frustrated, disillusioned. The, the devil wants to get me to the point where I give up, cave in and quit. Because if I quit, the devil didn't stop me, I stopped me. So the only person who can stop me is me. And the only way I can lose is if I quit. But put this in the chat. There's no quit in me, doggone it. I'm not I'm not going to quit. There's no quit. Matter of fact, if you're around me, I'm not going to let you quit. I'm, I'm going to talk to you so much that you're going to feel like you can leap a tall building with a single bound. I'm going I'm to build you up and not tear you down. I'm going to tell you forward ever, backward ever, the best is yet to come. You hang around me, I'm going to be like, look up and not down. Come on, look forward and not backward. You can do this thing. Keep going. The grace of God is on you. The enemy's poison cannot stop your purpose. The only one who can stop you is, is you. And I like to say this, the more the devil, if the devil knew anybody, he would leave you alone. The more he attacks you, the greater you get. The more he attacks you, the stronger you become. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, even the devil and all of his imps, they thought they were winning when Jesus went to the cross. But the cross sealed Jesus's destiny. And the Bible says, had the princes of this world known what they were doing, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. When he was going to the cross, the devil thought he was winning. But that when the first drop of blood hit, hit the ground, is seal their fate. I'm telling you, the more the devil attacks you, the stronger you get. God is on you and in you and with you and for you. Say amen to that. All right, number three, last point for today. Say amen to that. Here we go. The last point is about religious people. I'm gonna have to keep making this point. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were blinded by the law and they were blinded by their pride. They were blinded by the law and they were blinded by their pride despite the undeniable evidence. Now, think about this for a minute. Here we are in 2023. We're reading what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago, and we're excited about it. We're reading what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago, and we're we're singing songs about it. We're worshiping. We're preaching him. People are like being healed, delivered, and set free by us reading what he did 2,000 years ago, and they were there. 
I mean, they were there. Like they saw it with their own eyes. This was undeniable evidence. This was infallible proofs. And still they didn't believe. Oh my God. They were blinded by the law and they were blinded by their own pride. Their disbelief was not based on a lack of evidence. They had the evidence right in front of their eyes. The problem is that they had prejudices and preconceptions. They were focused on rules. They were focused on the law. They were focused on the fact that they were right. And they could not accept the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. Not only that, when Jesus, for Jesus to be the Messiah, they wanted the Messiah to fit into what they thought the Messiah was going to be. They thought the Messiah was going to come and destroy the Roman government. They thought the Messiah was going to come and establish a government in this world. They could not understand it when Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus was coming to establish a different type of kingdom, and they missed it altogether. The Bible says Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. Why? Because they were they were trying to get the Messiah to fit into their box, but God doesn't have a box for you to fit in. Like, like At the end of the day, he's not fitting into your concept of him. He is God. And besides him, there is no other. But this does remind me of that when people are full of pride, when people are focused on rules, they are stubborn and they are blind to the truth. They were in the place that they saw stuff happen right in front of their own eyes. And despite that type of evidence, they still rejected Jesus. Spiritual blindness is more dangerous than physical blindness. While the man who was born blind, he had physical blindness, but these people were spiritually blind. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, they were spiritually blind. They were so entrenched in their own beliefs and their own traditions and their own prejudices and their own expectations of what a Messiah should be and could be that they missed God in the flesh when he was standing right in front of them. The God that they claimed to serve, the God that they claimed to worship was standing right there in front of them and they missed him altogether. Jesus's miracles, they were not just a display of power. They were an acknowledgement, a display. They were signs of his divinity. They were telling everybody, I'm the Messiah. I'm the son of God who came as the son of man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. He was God in the flesh and they rejected him as the son of God. Why? Because they were focused on rules and they didn't like the fact that Jesus didn't obey their rules and they were full of pride and they didn't want to be wrong. You ever met somebody like that? Even in church, they, they, they didn't want to be wrong. And so let me just say this, my last point for today as I close. Belief in Jesus requires a certain level of humility. It requires an open heart. It requires an acknowledgement. Here's an acknowledgement. If you really want to walk with God, you have to acknowledge that you don't know everything. You have to acknowledge that God may not fit your understanding of him. Put in the chat, say, God may not fit my understanding of him. There are going to be moments where God doesn't fit what you think is God. Like, like there will be moments where God does not fit your understanding of him because God's ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. The Pharisees criticized what they did not understand. And unfortunately today, people are doing the same thing. Unfortunately today, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ is split into factions and sections. There are churches who are criticizing one another when you don't realize that we're on the same team. On any given Sunday, you will find pastors on live streams, on YouTubes, and in their churches, criticizing other Christians. You will find pastors from the pulpit 
criticizing people for being too loud or for not being loud enough, for wearing like jeans and sneakers in church and a hat. Oh, I can't believe you wore a hat to church. Oh my God, you got to go to hell for that, right? Criticizing people for wearing jeans and sneakers. Other people are criticized because they don't have on a suit and tie. Other because Some wear robes and other people don't wear robes. And they're upset about that. Some are worshiping on Sunday and some are worshiping on Saturday. And, and, and both are, are criticizing each other for that. Some are worshiping with instruments and some are not worshiping with instruments. Jesus didn't have instruments, so you shouldn't have instruments. I mean, I can't believe people are even talking about this stuff from the pulpit. In my mind, these things are dumb. This is ridiculous. It's ludicrous that people are talking about this, but they're emphasizing rules and practices and they are focused on the wrong thing because these are the things that they consider to be the norm and anybody who doesn't fit their norm can't be God. That's ridiculous. God is a big God, dude. God, 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 God is big. I mean, like, just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not God. God is moving all over the world. God is moving through all types of people. God is speaking through men and women, through young and old. God is speaking through people that went to seminary and people that didn't graduate from eighth grade. And like, God is speaking, and we got to be open to, to what God is doing, and we got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and we got to realize that we don't need to be criticizing each other, and we have too much in common to be uncommon. Jesus's message is for all people, even the people who reject him. Listen, despite the Pharisees at the rejecting Jesus, Jesus died for them too. And despite the Pharisees ignoring the miracles that happened right in front of them, Jesus died for them too. Just walk with God and know that Jesus died for everyone everywhere. If people don't like you, if people criticize you, if people think your church is strange, people don't want to go to your church, fine. People talk about the way you worship, fine. Just love them, pray for them, and keep stepping. Like at the end of the day, you and I, we're supposed to be love and light in this world. That's it. People will criticize what they do not understand. People may not understand you. People may talk about you. Just pray for them and keep going. You know why? Because there will be people who accept it. There will be people who get born again because of your light and because of your witness and because of your story. So just keep focusing on them. You tell your story and you tell it everywhere you go. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. Say, Father, this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. You have done great things in my life. And I'm not afraid and I'm not ashamed to tell my story. I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to tell it everywhere I go. As I do, as I walk in my divine purpose, I get to fulfill my destiny. But I know that there will be opposition. I'm not surprised by it. I'm not moved by it. The enemy's poison cannot stop my purpose. Jesus died for everyone, but not everyone receives him. I give myself over to you, Father, to be a conduit of your love and your light in this world. I share Jesus in word and deed, and I pray that others will encounter Jesus through me. If they reject the Jesus in me, I know that they are rejecting you. And I just pray for their hearts to be softened and open to the gospel of your grace. I walk into this day and this week open to be your love in a way that other people can see and experience. Living this way, I know, 
greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus name. Amen. This is today's word. Tomorrow I'm going to have another one. Please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, please go to todaysword.org. You get my notes for free, y'all. So go to todaysword.org. Why not, why not sign up? Click on the big red subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. I love you. God loves you too. Go out there and just share Jesus. Matter of fact, you don't even need to say anything. Just go live your life. Be love and light in this world. And, and the world be, will be drawn to God because they will be drawn to the Jesus in you. And you may be criticized. People may not understand you. Just pray for them and keep going. I love you. God loves you too. Have an amazing day. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program, and Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity, and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, we have several books and products on rickpina.co. These are products designed to help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have apparel there that will help you represent the grace life. Thank you so much for being a blessing to us. And we pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you. 